Hello, ladies and gentlemen. It is October 25th, 2022. And this is another Tuesday edition of the MSP Initiative Live. Of course, had to bring a little bit of hat to the table. My Phillies made it to the World Series for the first time since 2009. I think it was the last time we were in the World Series. And the Yankees just, you know, we won in 08. We made it back in 09. And that's and that's the last time we've seen the playoffs. So had to had to be a little bring a little bit of fun to the table there. So uh, if you follow me on social, you know I'm a Philly sports fan through and through. But don't hold it against me. All Weird. right, some quick housekeeping, and then we'll uh, we'll get into the normal. So everything that we do is on MSPinitiative.com. You'll find this session and every other session we've ever recorded under the sessions category. It's in podcast and video format, so that you should be able to get to that in whatever format you like. Big, 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 big MSP, MSP Community Block Party, Wednesday night, November 9th in Orlando. If you're already in town for all the other conferences and events happening that week, perfect. You don't even have to be going to another event or conference. Come to the MSP Community Block Party. And we're flying in the All-American Rejects for a private concert just for you. I mean, I don't think it can actually go wrong. I mean, you don't it's have ridiculous. to pay to get in. <laughs> so if you're an MSP, lots of stuff's going on here. Lots of attractions. We did a whole venue buyout of half of Icon Park on International Drive where they have the big Ferris wheel. And we are throwing uh, the biggest party of all parties we've ever done. And, you know, we have a few underneath our belt. So definitely come by. Let's go. It's going to go from nine to two. So for you late nighters, we have the bar open for you. Come, <laughs> excuse me, come on by. Got to register at SP. Click on register your ticket, put your information in. You get a QR code, say, save it to your Apple wallet or Android, whatever. Good to go. So definitely, 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 definitely register ahead of time so that you don't have to stand in line when you get there. We, ju we just also finished our second to last Channel Strong tour on the West Coast last week. Going to you know, put out some love for them, hosted us in Vegas and Phoenix and San Diego and Irvine. I know these guys kind of got out of their way to kind of help us, you know, borrow their parking lot and, you know, kind of make the community come together in, you know, their backyard. So there's one more tour left. We're bringing the bus out. We're hitting Fort Lauderdale, Tampa, Orlando, and Atlanta. A couple of weeks after, you know, you know, the beginning of November festivities, right? So it'll be um, just at the tail end of November, first couple of days of December. Again, coming to your backyard, you know, if you're in those areas and we know that some people are still kind of, you know, taking water out of their <laughs> out of their houses from, you know, from uh, all the natural disasters and stuff that happened in Florida. So totally understand if you're still in the middle of that. But we're coming to you in about a month. So we'd love to see you guys out on the road. So that are those are all of my announcements. I'll take my hat off there. Go Phils. Um, special guest today, Darren from. Immibot. And, you know, Darren, I usually like to do this for anyone that hasn't been on before, like would love to understand your history down IT lane. How did you get into the, the industry? How, how's your journey up until now? Would love to understand that. Sure, man. Well, I don't know if you're ready to go that far back. I, uh, I really got started uh, in the seventh grade when I met my business partner, Brett. And uh, we, he was trying to put together a computer club, and I was the only guy that showed up. And we already known each other. So we started lugging each other's computers. Now, we're both from New Orleans, mind you, all right? 
And uh, we're, I'm lugging my desktop CRT monitor across town because he was the first person to get DSL, right? So we would have these LAN parties. You know the deal, right? And we got really good at networking because the uh, the hub we were using had a shared crossover port. And so when that when that fourth computer or fifth computer would show up, everybody would start getting collision errors, you know? And so we oh, had to get boy. really good at troubleshooting. This is, like, this is pre-switch day, guys. Talking right. hub. This is back when, like, you know, this is not Xbox Online, right? You're, like, legit using non-TCP. You're using, like, IPX, SPX with Counter-Strike and all this nonsense. So uh, so that's, like, really where we got our, our start. So, you know, if you look at if you look at immense.net, right? So we wanted a company that was big, huge, giant, enormous. So we, we decided immense. That's got a good ring to it. So here we are at this point, eighth graders registered that. And said, yeah, immense networks. That's great. And then let's fast forward. What happens in, in 2005 in New Orleans? Well, here we are studying computer science and computer engineering at LSU. And Katrina comes by. We're inundated with all of our parents. There's 19 of us in the apartment. But the one good thing that came of it was, uh, was we started getting phone calls to start imaging computers for all this hardware replacement. This grant money starts rolling in. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so here we are, like fresh, wet behind the ears, trying to learn VB script because this is, you know, predates PowerShell and we're learning group policy and all of this to try to get the, you know, at that point it was like ESX 3.5. You know, and we're getting like Windows Server 2003 R2 installed. We've never even set up a domain before. Like we're just like figuring it all out, right? Karen's boot CD, the whole nine. And so we get it all working and we start doing a bunch of schools around New Orleans. And we got really good at doing like these like highly curated automations, right? With scripts and all of that. And then the next big inflection point, you know, we, we graduate college. We, we start immense networks. We start building our business. And then we join HCG uh, peer groups. You know, here we are thinking we're know-it-alls and like our problems are totally unique and what peer group would possibly understand what we're going through, right? And then we join that and they're like, oh, you guys are, are not uh, managed service providers because you're billing by the hour. We're like, shut up, it's block hour, not the same. So we decide 2015, we're gonna, we're gonna change our business model to do proper managed services. And, uh, you know, we're here watching Paul Dipple show us what the profitability is going to look like when you do that, right? And we're like, yeah, let's do it. So 2016, we got everything lined up. We're going to use ConnectWise Automate to deploy the software. We're going to include the kitchen sink in the agreement because we're going to go and we're going to hit up all of our customers and we're going to say, hey, look, you know, we might have been charging you $500 a month before. Now we're charging you $1,500 a month metered on how many computers and users you have. But we're going to throw in Office 365, Box of Phantom PDF, the full-blown version. We're going to replace your firewall, which means I've got to push out four clients, all your machines, and uh, you know, a whole slew of other pieces of software, Mindcast, Outlook, add-in, all that needed to be delivered. Well, I sit down with ConnectWise Automate, I crack my knuckles, and I'm like, yeah, this can't be that hard, right? So I look, I'm not a slouch. I sit there in ConnectWise Automate and I'm like, this, this, is, this is the best we've got right here. The scripting language that's not even a language, right? That takes five minutes to load the debugger where the only sane conditional logic you can get is to write SQL into a step in the script. Like how could anybody write quality code when it's as slow as it possibly is? And so I'm like, okay, certainly there are better tools out there for this. Let's go and check out Ncentral. And then you find out that, well, Ncentral is great at doing 
the things that it says it does, and it's a very tight box. And then I ended up after telling off, I think it was Adam Slutskin at uh at Connectwise. I am never coming back to Connectwise Automate. I come crawling back, eating crow, because I'm like, oh my god, like is, is it, at least I can make it do what I want it to do, right? But I'm still not happy about it. Then the real kicker was in 2016 when we go to Automation Nation. And here I am at the bar with all the guys talking about, oh, uh, yeah, I, I wrote my Office 365 install script. And I'm probably, man, I, I got at least 40 hours in it. And then it's, well, I got one that will remove the access runtime that's incompatible. And uh, and I got like 60 hours in mind. It might have referenced the EDF. And, and the next guy is like, oh, well, mine will do the 32 to 64-bit conversion if you set this flag. And, and I'm like, oh, my God, guys, like. Are we all writing literally the same exact scripts? What a waste of time. What a massive collective waste of time, right? This needs to be better. And, and if you step back, you got to realize that all the big tools out there were developed like 20 years ago. And that was before Facebook released things like Redis. The term at scale wasn't even invented. Cloud security what? Oh, we don't need that, right? No, no we're going to write things in Visual Basic or Java or like in use soap, you know, like get out of here. So I, we sit down and I'm like, okay, well, let's build on the shoulders of giants here, right? We've got Azure, we've got IoT Hub, we've got all, we've got uh, Service Bus, we've got all of these great web sockets, things that are fast and scalable at our disposable. So I'm just like, well, Let's go ahead and let's go ahead and start tying the stuff together, you know. And so we start doing it. And so what started as like this massive block of scripts in Connectwise Automate that took forever ended up being its own product that that we now globally curate all the software and automations that you're trying to do most likely for you. So now you don't have to go and hire the guys to figure all that stuff out. It's just there, right? And we curate it daily. So that, that's like, that, that's what it is. But that's the story. That's how I got from seventh grade playing Counter-Strike to where to Emmybot with 300 plus MSP partners today. Wow. So number one, I, I feel like a lot of your journey. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to be I honest. I hope so. I, think like I started real early too. Not quite. Yeah. Like, you know, not, not too far off from seventh grade on your part, but you know, on the other side, right? Like, I feel you on the, everybody was writing, trying to write the same stuff, a lot of time investment. I'm going to be honest with you. I still run into a lot of people today that just don't have the competency internally to spend the, the time to do it, right? right? So like still running on the shell, right? Whatever came with it, right? And like, obviously some of, you know, some of the, you know, shinier ones are the ones that vendors gave you, right? Oh, here's a plugin. It just runs, you know, run with it. And, and that's cool. But like, Obviously, things change very often in IT land, and there's a lot of line of business apps that you run into where the end customers are doing something that is, isn't off the shelf, right? right. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, you know, I know at one point there was the concept of like, hey, you'd be able to like share in some sort of like market, you know, kind of group place yeah. type thing but i don't think that ever kind of happened and then well here's right and here's the problem. <laughs> okay like i can like i can go on for days like let me tell you the problem with that yeah the problem yeah. is fractionalization it's like all right I, i'm gonna i'm sort of holy war here it's like android all right android <laughs> is a mess because of all the different types of hardware it's got to support and all the different ports of the OS and, oh, we're only going to backport fixes for so long. And maybe it's gotten better. I, I don't know. I'm an iOS guy. All right. And I like it because when they release it, 
you know exactly what hardware it's going to be on. The UI is consistent. You know, Verizon's messaging app over on top of Samsung's on top of the vanilla Android one. I, I hate it, right? And so anyway, how does that come, you know, relate to situation with automation? Well, one guy wrote an Office 365 script that can remove the access dependencies, which is not the same one as the one that can do the 32 to 64-bit conversion, which uh, to be fair, most of that stuff is handled by the Office Deployment Toolkit nowadays, so it's kind of a dated example, but still conceptually, it's it's the same. So one guy says, oh, well, my script installed a Kaseya agent will accept a location ID, and then the other guy says, yeah, well, mine will accept the location name, and it'll just string match against the API or something like that, and then you end up with this big mess of like, you know, you're back to where you started. And then the other fundamental problem is if it's not centrally curated, then you run into to problems where like you're making copies of copies of copies, right? Where, you know, like with automate, oh sure, you could share automation. I'm going to export a script right now and I'm going to give it to you, George. Okay. And then I fix a bug that you find and I give it to you. Well, what about the 50 other people behind me? Now I got to go and send them a copy of it too and hope that they update theirs. You know, maybe they are having the bug. Maybe they're not. I don't know. Right. So it needs to be a central point that everybody references. Right. Mm -hmm. So that way, as soon as an update is made, it's available to everyone instead of like trying to do like what OneDrive does and like synchronize all your files across. You know what I mean? Like we all know that this is, this is yeah. anyway. <laughs> so like, is it, you know, let me zoom back for a second. So, all right. I'm an, I'm an IT department. I'm a managed services company. I'm somebody that's managing a lot of, you know, machines, users, what have you. Mm -hmm. A lot of stuff changes, right? Nothing stays the same, right? Like in the same week, five changes could happen, right? To sure. a software package. So that's the first concern. The second concern is like, do, is it like a crowdsource style thing where like people are submitting their changes to the central place or how does the whole Emibot solution work? So we make all the changes. Now, here's what we've done. Uh, we're still a very small shop, right? We've got only four full-time developers that are building Emibot. But you may notice if you're in the Emibot channel, there are guys like Dimitri and Gav that if somebody points out a bug in a script, they have the ability to do that. Okay, well, here's what we've done. Those guys, we've, we consider those guys contributors. We work out an agreement with them. We background check them for our SOC 2 compliance, the whole nine. And then we say, okay, we'll give you access to the global repo. So as people find these bugs or they want to add a new parameter to put the desktop icon out there or whatever it is, they'll go in, they'll tweak it, they'll add new versions of software, they'll, they'll do those things. So that's how it's done. And we're adding more people, but uh, it's, you know, I, I want to vet everybody to make sure that the scripts are like really good. You know, well, like I, I don't mean, want Cruft getting put into let's, the global let's, database. I mean, given how even the mobile app stores have <laughs> malicious actors in there, I mean, that's probably a good idea. Yeah, um, for sure. So I'm, yeah, I'm just gonna share. I'm, yeah, I'm just gonna do something simple. I'm gonna share your website real quick and just let's cool. just make sense of this, right? So, All right. of course, everybody always goes to this page first, right? Mm -hmm. So, small yeah. shop, medium shop, big shop. How does this work? Is well, that okay, what? So this is actually getting ready to change uh, at IT Nation because we've priced a lot of people out of the, the Emmy Forever plan because we kept raising the price. We kind of did like Tesla did, get free supercharging for life. Like it started all the way down at like $200 a month, like two, three years ago when we first launched it, right? But, you know, we've been inching it up and really it was just us being lazy and not writing the part of the code that would like meter you on how many agents you're running and, and saying, Oh, you need to buy more. Like we just yeah. never got around to, it. we're too busy. Yeah, doing yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I was like, Oh, we'll just extend the, the Amy forever thing. And as it got easier to sell, just raise the price. Right. So yeah. Yeah. 
But what we're going to do now, we actually got all that code written and that's going to get merged in. Uh, I think I merged in last week. And then this is going to be redesigned and we're not going to really do a per feature sort of thing. There will be the <laughs> low cost ME workbench, which is primarily there just to set up new computers. But instead of there being this ME forever thing, that's going to be gone. And then the ME deploy will allow you to both set up new computers and enforce those same policies on existing machines that you may import from your RMM. Cool. So in like a few weeks time, right? November 9th, after you're done at the MSP community block party, you're going to go to MEBOT's website and there's going to be a whole new pricing. A whole new so, pricing. Yes. So that, that's good. So like, you know, I, I noticed right on the main page, it said MEBOT versus Intune. Well, I mean, obviously a lot of that's coming out, right? People are adopting, you know, modern workplace, all that's all that jazz. Why MEBOT versus Intune? All right. Three reasons. One, you've got to, first of all, you have to license Intune for your customers, right? Which you might say, oh, well, Microsoft forced our hand. Everybody's running M365 Business Premium now, which comes with Intune. Okay, you got me. Fine. All right. Uh, The second major problem is that Intune is slow. Uh, You want something done right now on Intune? It's kind of like kind of like a group policy sort of like eventually gets things done, but there's not like a whole lot of accountability there. You know, it's like I'm going to set this policy and it'll propagate eventually. Maybe you could do a GP update for us, but that's not really neither one of those really compelling reasons. The real reason is because Intune is an empty canvas for every one of your customers. That's the real problem. Okay, so if you sit back and you say, all right, um, okay, I deploy Sentinel One to all of my customers. Let me go ahead and get that loaded up into Intune. All right, let me go log into Sentinel One, download customer A's agent and their registration token. Then let me go over here and upload it to Intune and let me put that in there. All right, customer B, customer C, you do that. Okay, all right, you say, oh, I could do that. That's a one-time deal. Oh, is it really? Because guess what? Next month, there's going to be Sentinel One version 22. Hmm. Now you got to go upload that MSL. (sighs) Okay, here we go again. Well, I'll just script it. Okay, please. All right, let me tell you what we do. When you go into Emibot, you plug in your Sentinel-1 API key, we reach out to your Sentinel-1 instance, we figure out what the latest available version is, then go ask the machine, what version do you have, if any? Oh, you don't have one? Okay, cool, no problem, we'll just install this latest one, and we just install it. And the great part about that is some people, so because you know, Sentinel-1 still has like individual instances, right? So you might have one guy on Sentinel-1, you know, version 21, while another guy's on 22, just like with control or automate or anything else. So you need to get the agent that whose version matches your server. So because I'm using your API, it's just going to give me the right version. Intune's not going to do that for you, right? And then on top of that, we do really crazy stuff. Like how about delivering what your customers are paying you for, right? You charge for Sentinel One or Huntress or whatever on your ConnectWise manage agreement or your Halo PSA agreement. We link to that and we say, oh, well, customer A is on my security plan, which has Sentinel One on it. So therefore all of their computers should have Sentinel One. Right. So now your sales guy or you goes out, sells it to your customer, boom, market in your PSA. Next time maintenance runs on the machine, it just gets deployed as part of the thing. And next time you set up a new computer, your tech doesn't forget to install it. Oh, I didn't know they were on that new plan yet. Guess what? They have to think about it. Hmm. <sighs> That's yeah. slick. So uh-huh. so what it's what it sounds to me is two things are happening, right? One, the time burn of rolling out new users and new machines for new users dramatically reduced, which I know a lot of MSPs just charge additionally for that just to cover more time. The reality is that it's just time intensive, right. <clears throat> one level over another. So that price to tackle that like kind of 
big block that everybody has to deal with no matter what. And then, you know, this whole set it and forget it. I mean, I've heard that term a thousand times. We know it's never that way, but what it does do is it allows you to keep people in compliance with whatever they're supposed to be getting. Right. So you basically say, you know, here's my standard across all my customers. And then I'm, I guess you have the ability to tweak individual customers after that standard is met. Right. Right. It, it's just, it really works a lot like group policy conceptually, where you could have a domain wide policy that's sort of like your catch all. But if mm-hmm. certain computers or people are in different OUs, well, the policy is closer to that OU if there's one that says, like, your domain controller OU has a shorter screensaver timeout, right? Well, that's going to apply because that group policy is closer to the machine. Same way with Imibot. We've got three layers you've got cross tenant, single tenant, and individual policies. So, individual, the more specific, those are going to take precedence over your single tenant, which take precedence over your cross tenant. So you set your, you start wide, right? I think in general, everyone's going to get edge and we want to keep that up to date and everyone's going to get Adobe Reader, but then like, oh, well, this customer is Acrobat. Okay, well, that's fine. Just make a deployment for that tenant or maybe even a group of individuals under that tenant. It means very people focused because people use software. Computers don't use software. People do. And we say, uh, yeah, these people get Acrobat and we create a rule that says, and uh, Reader should be uninstalled. So the next time it runs for those individuals, boom, removes Reader, installs Acrobat instead. So maybe I'm going to ask a very simple question, but it's worth asking. Is like, I assume there's some sort of agent or some sort of installer that has to make it on the machine. Mm-hmm. How do you, do you, do you use your normal RMM to deliver that initial agent or how, how's the, what's the preferred way to get that machine connected back to whatever your platform is? Sure. All right. So this is a great question. The, and this, and I take pride in how we ended up doing this because what I hate more than anything is when I go and sign up for a new product and they're like, okay, now in order to use our product, just deploy our agent across your entire client base. Okay, great. What if I hate your product? Now I go to rip your client out from my entire client base. Like that sucks, right? Well, you know, I was intimately familiar with how automate and control work. So I was like, well, why not just like they can run scripts on the computers. Why not use their agent? right? So you sign up for a trial, you link up your automate or your control or both. And then we just start sending commands over that. Now it's slightly trickier because we ended up blowing up people's databases when we did that because of how fast we were sending commands, right? And it was just, I mean, oh my God. So what we ended up, we actually do is we put a single EXE that is not persistent into program data. And that establishes a direct out of band WebSocket to our backend, which increases performance. Like just, oh, it's great. Like our literal round trip time to execute PowerShell is 97 milliseconds. Do you know what the average round trip time to execute PowerShell and data RMM is? 297 seconds. That's wow. Called a, that's called a quick job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. And that's where everybody's going, that and Ninja, right? So anyway, uh, so we get so now we get this direct WebSocket back. And then as soon as it idles out and it's done doing what it's got to do, it just closes that WebSocket. And then we just use your RMM to, to you know rerun it with a new session ID whenever we need to get that connection. So you do the trial. Oh, I hate it. This is stupid. All right. Well, it's fine. You'll be back, but okay. And then... Uh, <laughs> And then, uh, you know, so that worst, you have this this little exe sitting around in program data, which is easy to delete, but we're not like putting it under apps and features and we're not, you know, putting it under as a Windows service, right? Now, other side of that is for new computers, though, though you will be using the Imibot agent because we are able to attach different parameters to it. So if you like, you know, take a little USB like this guy here and you, you want to key it for an individual, you'll, you're able to do that and we're able to embed that metadata inside of our agent and then when they go to do it, but we don't have the ability to necessarily attach metadata to other people's installers. So 
you know, that's for new computer setups, you will get our agent and then our agent installs the other agents. Okay. So let me, let me just go down this road. Sure. We said earlier that a lot of the MSPs just did not have either the time or the cap- the, the in-house knowledge to do all the coding and scripting. Like what level of tech do I need in order to actually use this platform? I mean, like I love working with just your, your bench guy. I actually, it's frustrating sometimes working with the PowerShell dudes because they ask a million questions and I go, and then I nerd out with them. And before you know it, all we've done is talk about nuances of how I implemented this PowerShell scripting thing. And like, they're not using the product. So I'll end up rescheduling with whoever their bench dude is and the, and I'll just get that guy going. And so now I just tell them, Hey guys, like I can nerd out about this all, all day. I really could, but get me on the phone with the guys to be using it. And then let me turn him into a rock star. Your boss is going to see that, say, grade A product. It's bringing value. Let's do it. And let's schedule another call and we can nerd out some more. Cool. So like literally the guy that's doing station imaging or like just the, you know, password reset guy, he can handle this platform. Yes. Well, here's the thing. You get the guys who are at the top and they don't necessarily know the day to day. The guy who's working your bench, he remembered, oh, shit, I forgot to install this for this one guy. And you know how they say the best way to get the right answer is to show someone the wrong one. What I tell people to do is just inject any bot into your process day one. Tell your bench guy, hey, for for now and forever, unbox the machine, plug this thing in. This is just how you're going to do it. Log into me. It's going to ask you for two things, the customer and then the person. Right. With those two pieces of information, we're able to figure out pretty much everything else from the person. We know what Office 365 licenses they have from the customer. We know what types of agreements they have and what products we should be installing as part of our stack. And then we can resolve any other customer specific stuff. Right. So that's all you need to do. And then what happens is the session starts running and it's like here are all the items that we're getting ready to install. And the guy goes, whoa, they're not supposed to have a reader. OK, yeah, cool. Here, let me show you how you override it for them. Right. Oh, OK. Oh, wait, wait, wait. They also need this thing. Yeah, let me show you how to create a deployment to put 7-Zip on the machine. Oh, oh okay. All right, so that's going to work for all the computers I'll set up for this customer in the future? Yeah, yeah. Oh, the computer name should be this. Let me show you how to do that. And after like the third time, he sort of gets it. And then now you're growing into the product organically, right? Because now the guy knows how to create the rules himself. And boom. And now your, your scripting guy is like, okay, cool. It's paying for itself. Now I can go and have fun and do the really, you know, advanced nuanced stuff that he really wants to do. Wow. That's, I mean, listen, <laughs> if the level one guy can figure out how to do that, golden. I mean, I, I mean let, let me go another. Is there any, you know, is this all cloud-based or do you actually have to roll out a server somewhere? How does it work? It's all cloud-based. So it's all hosted in Azure. Uh, it is in our Azure subscription. Like we host everything like most SaaS apps, but at some point I would love to be able to offer it, especially for people in countries that need that data autonomy, everything within their borders. Right. You know, uh, I'd love to be able to offer it as part of like the Azure marketplace, like just, you know, bring your own cloud sort of deal. We're not quite there yet, but I would love to be able to do that. Awesome. And then like, I'm sure, I'm sure the first thing that comes up after they figure out what it does and how it works is Security, security, more security. Of course, right. And so the first thing out of the gate, which usually gets gets rid of half of them, is I'll share with you our SOC 2 letter, right? So we're type 1 now. We should be uh, our type 2. We just finished submitting all the evidence. Should have that in about a month. So we'll have that uh, report. So we'll, we'll give that to you. That's like half the people. And then you get the people who actually want the practical security. We've got mm-hmm. a spot on our website talking about it, but I'll give you the high level just, right? If you think about the, the types of ways that people, that RMMs get compromised, it's generally, well, let's start with the easy ones. 
uh, oh, we didn't have MFA turned on in this account, or this employee's account was uh, left active. First of all, we force you to use SSO. You do not have a choice. If you want to get into AmyBot, you have to log in with Azure AD. Some people get pissed, well, we're a Google shop. I don't care. Go attach it to an Azure tenant. I'll even show you how to do the federation. It takes 20 minutes, all right? That's fine. So you have to do that, which means that only active Azure AD users are able to log in to your tenant. Fantastic. Okay, so that's like one major thing. Second major way people get vul uh, the vulnerabilities come is, well, SQL injections, right? Well, we run everything through Entity Framework, which is an ORM that sanitizes all the inputs for us. We don't have to think about it, right? Now you might say, oh, well, we use parameterized queries and automate everywhere. You sure? There's, look, in, 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 it's not, I'm picking on automate because say I had the same problem, right? Like the years ago, it'll upload this text file with a SQL query in it and boom, it'll just run it, right? Those are the things like, that can't happen in Emmy because we've got that layer, right? And that's just how all modern software is built. So really what it boils down to is um, we built it at a time where security mattered. There's <laughs> not much more I could say about it. Uh, and so there's some other nuances as to how we're doing things. Like we were really sensitive to like, cross-tenant data leakage, like a lot of a lot of SaaS apps will just put everybody in one giant database, right? And I'm like, that scares the shit out of me. I don't want that. No, no, no. Everybody gets their own database, their own uh, Azure storage blob, their own everything, right? So that way, if you ever, if there ever was a point where you're like, you know, get rid of Emmy, delete all my data. Okay, just delete that resource group. Like that's the end of it, right? So Anyway, that's uh, that's much tidbit on security. I'm happy to answer that's, any more questions about that. No, no. I mean, listen. I'm I'm just. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I, I didn't look at your website until like five minutes before we came on here, and I'm like, I've heard of Imibot, but I didn't even like go and dig into it yet. So yeah. now I'm starting to understand why this works and why it makes sense, right? Because you know, the, you know, the big question is going to be, why pay for another tool if I have my existing RMM? The answer is, do you have? Do you, can you actually make your RMM do the work? Yes or no? I'm going to say a lot of people are going to say no. They're either outsourcing that work to somewhere else. Or they're just not using it, right? right? So that's number one. And then number two is, well, I you know, I have all this stuff that I've already built out, and the, and I'm I'm sure that the you know the answer is well, I'm not saying you can't use the stuff you already have, but because you have 300 MSPs coming to you on a day to day saying, hey, can you add this? Can you adjust this? Can you can tweak this? It's just a volume thing happening. Yes, exactly. We got we got economies of scale. At some point, we've we have encountered every MSP tool there is. You name it, we've we've built an integration with it, and we have it right. And so now we're just filling in the gaps. It's like, okay, well, there's this random line of business software that only people on Australia use. Cool. Let's let's get that in there too. You know, so we get the, get the opportunity to really hammer things out when people come to us and they're like, yeah, here's a test machine. Go hammer it out until. Until it's there, I'm like, all right, I'll, I'm happy to do that work as long as I can put it in global because that just raises the value of Imibot for everybody. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, like, have you ever have you ever asked anyone that's using the platform today what their time savings is after they get using this thing? Oh man, I've got tons of like quotes. I mean, I can't like quantify it, but I mean, if when you watch it work, it's immediately evident. So, you know, you go from on average, maybe two to three hours, depending on how complex the setup is to, I mean, active technician time, five minutes. I mean, all he's doing is watching progress bars. Like that's literally it. He's just, it, to me, really, it's more about the consistency of everything. I just, you know, human error, like I'm a programmer. I want everything to be like dead nut. I don't want to trust that he remembered to uncheck the don't install this toolbar or like whatever spyware comes with the default Java installation, right? Like I just, 
let's let a script do it. Fair enough. And then is there any, you know, obviously there are different verticals that require like, Hey, can you give me a report showing that the system did have what it needed to have on there? You know, I could, you know, like HIPAA comes to mind, right? It's like, Hey, encryption was turned on. Okay. Do you have a report showing me that it was turned on rather than you just saying that it was turned on? So So, that's one of the, okay. All right. So holy night, you touched on something that's great. That's one of the main differentiators with Emmy is we check everything we do before and after we do it. One of the things I hated about Automate is, well, it's just a freeform scripting language, which means that, well, if you want to make sure something happened, like let's say you're trying to install software. All right. I found myself doing the same logic every time. It was, is the software already there? If so, what version? Okay. It's not there. I need to install it. Oh, it is there. I need to perform an upgrade task, which might be different than the install, depending on the software. Then I need to run that installer. And then I need to go and recheck to verify that the software actually made it there with the desired version, right? Those are all generalized, you know, so that framework is hard-coded in image that understands what a piece of software is, right? And if you're talking about something like BitLocker, uh, we have this other concept called tasks. So it's software tasks in image. All right. There's the two things we can deploy. Tasks are catch-all for anything that's not software. It's about as close as we'll let you get to just deploying a raw script. But the reason I don't let you do that is because I don't want to encourage fire and forget scripting, right? So this, what I mean by that is like, oh yeah, I'm just gonna keep running the script against all these computers and just like I, I think it'll get them all. All right, imagine this scenario. You have a customer whose line of business that needs to get updated, and they say, Okay, well, how many more machines need it? Uh, so here you are like perusing logs in your RMM, like hoping you could like make sense of like which computers have it and which ones don't. Well, within any, we give you this dashboard that shows here's your list of computers, add columns for the software, right? And if we had any sort of error or we didn't detect it on the machine, it'll show up in red and you can drill into it and, and there it is, right? And we know that for sure because we checked it before and then again after to see if it was there. And there's a difference between it not being there and uh, on the first time, and then like we tried to do something and then it didn't show up again, right? Which usually means maybe there was some scripting error, whatever. But at least we know. So you go to your customer and say, um, 90 of the machines have it. Uh, there's 10 left and it's these guys. It looks like they're mostly the sales guys. They had their laptops offline when we tried to deploy it. And it's going to deploy as soon as they turn it back on. They're all in the pending connectivity state, which is way better than give me a couple of hours to run through these logs and I can give you a report, which is what I found myself doing. That's awesome. I mean, listen, that's, <clears throat> yeah, like that helps in a lot of ways, right? Not just in the compliance stuff, just in the, um, you know, am I confident that I'm walking into a customer meeting and I know for sure we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, right? Like right. that's, you know, when the, the rug always gets pulled out of you when your customer's like, I don't think you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Look, you know, Joe's computer doesn't have this, this, and this. And Susie's computer has an older version of this. And then like all of a sudden the proactive thing, Dude, that, that was like literally the impetus for it. I had this one customer, love the guy, super anal. And when we sold him on MSP, he was like, all right. And then I got a phone call like a month later because he wanted that, that Fox of Phantom PDF on everybody's machine. Hey, I got a guy over here. He's still using Nitro. What's the deal? And I'm like, and you know, at this point, I'm still trying to like work it out and automate, right? And I'm like, there has to be a better way to do this. Like I have to know before he does that this isn't there, right? I mean, it is, it was, uh, yeah, I feel it. It's, it's a real problem. Yeah. hundred percent. I would love, got a bunch of people on the call guys, you know, we always love the, whoever's live on the call to kind of chime in, but I, I mean, listen, I, I started in IT land not too far after Darren, apparently he started in like seventh grade. <laughs> was it fourth grade? Seventh, seventh, grade. Seventh, seventh grade. I started in ninth grade. Right. So, right. um, 
I know for a fact, I know for a fact that when you survey a large group of IT service providers, MSPs, they'll tell you the average computer deployment time is like four hours per machine. Yeah. I would love to hear on the call what you guys are at now. Are you still at four? Are you at two? Are you at one? Like, have you, I know some people have adopted, you know, Intune and tried to like set it, you know, put it over here, just let it run. And sure, it'll take time, but like, I'm not sitting there well, watching. Let's, let's also preface this with if you are going to report like, oh, we've got it down to 30 minutes. How long did it take you? And how many man hours do you have invested in all the scripting that when you get into Amibot will realize it's done for you? Yeah. Well, right. yeah, that's that's not, like, oh, we, we got to figure it out. Okay, all right, all right. How long did you spend on it? Well, everybody comes to me, and I'm the only guy that can maintain it. And like, uh, and the script's a little out of date now. And like, you know. yeah, and we were like five years of mess of time investment into it, right? Yeah, 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 hundred percent. So, George, let me ask Darren a question here. Go, do go, you, open, open forum, go ahead. You run into to issues where you've got like certain versions of machines on like like different types of hardware will or will not, you know, I mean, you've got one machine that, okay, th these applications need to get loaded. However, you got this other piece of older hardware or something like that. Machines are still using them here, but they can't do it or it's buggy or, or, or something like that. How, how do you handle that situation? We've oh, got different hardware that's an, an issue. Well, we just go to the customer say, you got to buy new hardware. But no, I mean, that's... <laughs> I mean, come on. That, that's great right. answer. But, I love that. Can, can, can I quote you on that the next time I talk to a customer? I, I mean, I mean, 10 years at 10, you know, if your customer's still using Windows XP on a 10 year old computer, it's time, I think. Right. I mean, that's that's a reality. It's like at some point they will have paid you for three computers in your labor. Right. So it's not really worth it. But what we'll end up doing is help you out, uh, identify those outliers, right? You go to push BitLocker out to everybody, and all of a sudden you see half the machines don't have TPM. And we're going to go into the BIOS, and we're going to try to enable TPM for you, by the way, on HPs and Dells and what have you. Uh, and sometimes we can't because there is no TPM, right? And so then they can't get Windows 11. And so you see that, and you give that report to your customer, and you say, look, I'm sorry, but your tech debt is just too big. Like, you got to, you know, come on, it's time. You got your money's worth out of this machine. Do you leverage and work with vPro technology at all? I do not, man. It, I tried for a little while, but it, it just seemed clunky. And like, you still needed something like local because vPro, you know, you turn the machine off. Well, you have no OS to like proxy the data from vPro back out to. And maybe that's a solved problem. When I was looking at it, it just was like, it wasn't necessarily worth it. But I know that there's other software out there that like could, but no, I don't know if that's a... That's where we're at. Are you using a lot of vPro, Brent? <clears throat> you know, I bought into the technology from a standpoint of there's all kinds of errors and stuff like that that we run into because machines are turned off. Uh, oh, I, no, you man. know, I, I, you know, I've there's all kinds of wonderful uh, marketing information about how much more secure it is and stuff like that. However, for me, it's just in general. We go through and just want to be able to turn a machine on. And for the machines that don't have it, we have plugs in there and have the BIOS set up on power failure, turn the machine on. So that way we can go through and we can turn a machine on, get something done that we need to do, you know, because inevitably the machine that's turned off is the largest whiner in the company. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't catch their machine, you're in trouble the next morning. Right. So here's what we did do, all right? We have a wake on LAN deployment and configuration script. And what's different about ours than most of the other ones, most of the ones you find out there are like, oh, we're gonna enable wake on LAN inside of Windows. Great, 
if you don't do it in the BIOS, it's not gonna, it's not gonna do it, right? So what we did is we implemented it in such a way that it figures out if it's a Dell, HP, or Lenovo, it'll reach in using the appropriate PowerShell module to tweak that wake on LAN setting, both in the BIOS as well as inside of Windows and on the network adapter. So when you enable wake on LAN using IMI, it's it's enabled. Nice. Hey, that sounds that's slick. So you're like, nope, I'm covering everything. I'm gonna check all the boxes. As, uh, like. Dell, HP, Lenovo, it's probably like, I don't know, 70% of the machines out there. I'm sure there's other ones, right? But sure. um, yeah, what about, uh, since you, since we're on the topic of BIOS, unless Brent, you have anything else? Huh? What about mm -hmm. keeping BIOS and firmware and stuff up to date? Yeah, we do all that out of the box. So it's, so here's what will happen is when you get, oh, when you run any on the machine, uh, we have what we call uh, dynamic deployments, which will figure out, okay, is this a Dell, HP, Lenovo? So we have a deployment that says all HP machines should have the HP image utility installed. And then what we do is we attach a task to that, which we call, when we attach it to software, we call it a configuration task, because oftentimes you have to configure software. But we use it in this case to apply all of the updates that, uh, that are presented by that. And we're actually getting ready to release a new feature where that task can create subtasks so you can get individual item level audited. Because right now it's all sort of hidden inside of the logs. If there's like a BIOS update, a driver update for real tech and like all that, you wouldn't necessarily know. You, people want to be able to report to say like, oh yeah, I got everybody on the latest BIOS. So you, you don't have that vulnerability in VPro anymore. Right. <laughs> and so, uh, so anyway, I, th so that's coming out hopefully in the next couple of weeks. I don't know if it's going to make it for IT Nation or not, but that'll allow you to get super granular in your reporting. So, but yeah, the short answer is, yeah, we do it for Dells, HPs, and Lenovo's. It will apply the latest uh, BIOS. And we've got, I've got videos of it where it's like, you're watching the machine and then all of a sudden, boop, applying BIOS update. And then just like comes back into Windows and continues down the session inside of it. It's, it's amazing how like, you'd be surprised how often there are updates, right? Like, they may, like just sometimes it's multiple times in a month, right? They're like, oh, sorry, had to put another one out. And you're like, wow. Right. I think people like maybe don't do that as often as they should. And it just, you know, comes back and bites you somewhere down the line. Yeah. hundred percent. Uh, who can I pick on? We already heard from Brent, you know, Matthew Fox. He, he loves it. I, I, you know, I need to, I need to highlight your messages on my, on my, uh, on my Slack app. So I know when you're sometimes I'm missing buddy, how are you doing today? See that I always catch him eating a sandwich. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's okay. He'll pop up for air. That that or the bio break, George. <laughs> yeah, well, that that's that's necessary. That, that, that's my weakness. <laughs> Let's be honest. It's like you know, you gotta go. You gotta go. Uh, Mark from Pittsburgh, how you doing today, buddy? See that I caught him off guard too. <laughs> People just listening in. I just gotta pick on him. They're just stumped. Yeah, hundred percent. Pete, how you doing today, pal? All right, George, how are you? Oh, uh, you know, breaking things, fixing them, a little duct tape and glue and bubble gum. Yeah, I, he I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. I got I got a little bit of that going on myself. <laughs> yeah, 100 percent. How was the uh, how was your uh, your drive time there last week in the southwest? It was not bad. It was much better than having to drive all the way out and all the way back. Oh, come so on. You, you wanted to do that so badly. I'm, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the trailer to be delivered, the box to be delivered back today. So Yeah, well, better than you, you box. I can tell you that. <laughs> Didn't work out too bad. Pretty, pretty smooth process overall. Awesome. So. Pete was driving around with on our Channel Strong tour last week. So he just loves to drive big trucks with 
race cars in them apparently oh, i heard okay. uh i heard um that on that last stop they gave you some they gave you a run for your money they brought out their own race cars yeah only only brought out his two cars and uh there there you know there would be no comparison the gtr would have would have beat him uh because it's got more horsepower but those uh he has spec corvettes so they're not allowed to produce more than a certain amount of horsepower and and all that. So I think he was <laughs> throttled at like 350 horsepower or something. What do you so, got on the GTR? Well, I don't have the GTR anymore, but uh, we, we, we had a 700 horsepower all wheel drive GTR. So wheel horsepower. Like, like so, newer GTR or like old school Skyline? Uh, newer 2010. Man, so, I, yeah. I got to ride in like an actual Skyline, like right hand drive. My buddy's got a dyno in his garage. And man, yep. dude, after we tuned it, it was like 400 horse. I think it was so much fun. Yep. Yep. Well, the, the, the 370 Nismo uh, that's replaced it is sitting at about 380 wheel horsepower. Okay. So it's not, it's not too shabby for the weight of the car. Fair enough. Man. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, I got some, I got some things that I could talk about that we're getting ready to hopefully release that are are new and exciting. All right. That I think are pretty groundbreaking. All right. So the big thing that I'm hoping to get done by IT Nation is Emmy MDM. All right, we're going to compete head-to-head with Intune. I've already established that Intune sucks, all right? And if you can get on board with that, let me explain to you what the vision is, all right? Well, I'm not the only product out there that leverages that whole USB plug-in technology, all right? Basically, that's where we are. Microsoft has uh, built this into the out-of-box experience such that you plug in a USB, the out-of-box experience scans it for that provisioning package, it will automatically install it. That's cool. But then now you got a lot of remote workers, right? And what are you going to do? Ship them a USB drive? That sucks. And then everybody is sold on the promise of autopilot, right? And people sort of get intermingled autopilot into it or they one and the same, like blah, blah, blah. Okay. Well, autopilot is just there. To, to get you into an MDM. And of course, Microsoft is going to default to pointing it to your Intune instance, right? Mm-hmm. But then we got to thinking like, well, how hard is it to emulate an MDM, right? Like what's Intune really doing under the hood? Well, as soon as it gets enrolled, they push their little agent, they call it the sidecar, or the, you know, the uh, Intune management extension, whatever. And, uh, and then they use that to install all the Win32 apps, you know? And I'm like, how's that much different than what Indiebot's doing? You know, why couldn't I just like go into the, the Windows enrollment section of, of Intune where you configure autopilot and just get a, a different URL, maybe a URL that points to an Indiebot instance. And maybe when that API gets hit, we respond just like Intune would. And we are now an MDM, which would allow us to then send our agent to the machine and present the same device enrollment page. So where the end user can see, oh, we're installing these applications for you. You'll be able to use your computer after this is done, blah, blah, blah. And then we're just doing the normal MBBot setup behind the scenes, right? How slick would that be? Yeah, we did it. All right, so we're getting that hopefully into prod very soon. And uh, and in fact, today we're starting to work on the device enrollment status page itself, which I'm pretty pumped about. So that's like the big thing. So now it's going to be USB I mean, less. That, that is really big, actually. Yeah, think about it, right? So now, you know, we're going to grow into it because, I mean, MDM space is, is huge. The amount of things that you can configure, you know, because there now you can do ADMX ingestion and do all your policies through it and all of that. Like it's going to replace a lot of service area of stuff that we're scripting currently, things like power options. Well, you know, when we do it with a script, the end user can still tweak it, right? 
But if you enforce it from like a group policy or an MDM standpoint, well, they can't, right? And this is like the right way to do it. So now we're going to have that start to get built out. So on top of just the initial agent install with the software, we'll be able to actually enforce policies. And the nice thing about it is because Amy is implicitly multi-tenant, you can make one policy for Sentinel One across all your customers, and boom, it just gets installed. Latest version to the correct to the correct uh, site using the correct registration token without having to upload it fifty or hundred times, right? I mean, that's that's super. I mean, to be honest with you, I know a lot of people have gone down autopilot lane and they use it. They use it pretty regularly and they do drop ship their machines and have their customers just sign in and, and it goes. But like to your it's point, usually right? for like one, it's usually one customer they sold that project to and then they never get around to doing it for the rest of them. It, well, because it's, it is late, like you can't really just Xerox, right? You have to go in and actually set everything up tenant to tenant. I know there's other products out there that try and make 365 quasi multi-tenant but even still right like it's not you know yeah you're still go right you're still held up by the implicit tenant boundary that microsoft enforces right there's no such thing as a cross-tenant configuration policy right Mm -hmm. the best they'll give you is like recommendations that you can that you can enforce but it's not yeah it's not the same so yeah i think this is gonna be a pretty big deal and then, uh, you know, yeah. beyond that, we're, we're hoping to release, this is not going to make it into IT Nation, I was really hoping it would, but we, we acquired a remote access tool, it was an open source one that this guy, uh, Jared, had, uh, had released on GitHub and on MS, uh, RMSP a few years ago, beautiful code, uh, so we're going to be integrating that soon, trademark, uh, I actually did get it like almost all I the way I remember when that guy posted that. Yeah, I, I immediately downloaded it and was like, uh, yeah, I want this. But I worked with him. We acquired it. He still helps like contribute to it and stuff. So it's, it's really awesome. I'm hoping to get him on the team. But, uh, but yeah, I'm trying to get that all worked in. So that's going to be core AmyBot built in. I don't want it to be like uh, an add-on that's like haphazardly integrated, right? Like that was my, my main goal. So what we're doing is we're abstracting all the remotely code into its own like NuGet libraries that the official remotely server, the standalone thing will reference and Amibot will reference. So that way it's core to the product and not like some obvious bolted on like haphazard or whatever. Okay. That I know. I mean, listen, remote, there's a lot of remote access tools out there, but we can all agree. They're not all created equal. Yeah. And look, is it the best remote access tool? I mean, look, it's, it's not going to be as polished out of the gate as something like control would be right. But over the course of time, it will get there. Right. So I'm initially going to just be using it to give you like, here's, here's the screenshot you could remote in, but eventually it'll be able to persist reboots and logins, logouts, all that stuff. Right. That's kind of the little, that's the hangup we got right now. Like by itself, it does that, but because we're tight, we're tightly integrating it. We, our agent doesn't technically resume after like a, a logout login if you're doing a user land script, for example. So in his, you need that because it's got to like show you the login screens. So you got to switch to that session. And you know, there's a lot of little nuances to it, but anyway, we're getting there. That's cool. I mean, these are pretty, these are pretty nice little things. I mean, actually not so little. I mean, yeah. it, it almost feels like you're kind of building, you know, 3.0 RMM. <laughs> Okay. No, 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 I'm just here to set up new computers, buddy. I'm just here to set up new computers. Don't worry about me. Okay. All right. Okay. I mean, listen, you integrate to the, all the big boys. So, I mean, I, I just took a peek at your integration page. All the big guys, you know, you can tie into it looks like. So, Yeah. you know, you have an investment there. No problem, right? Just connect the dots and, you know, and me bought away. 
I'm here to enhance the, your investment in those tools. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. I got it. I got it. That's all here. That's cool, man. No, I'm glad I. Uh, I'm glad I actually like downloaded it directly from the man because sounds like you fixed a lot of the kind of legacy problems with, you know, scaling multiple locations, multiple customers, multiple, you know, you know, tenants, if you would, and frankly. You know, we, we, you know, the dream, right? The mm -hmm. dream from day zero was, hey, do more, less people, automate. You know, that way you can be more profitable and you can like 400, 500 machines to each tech. And uh, I mean, that really, for most people, didn't come true. <laughs> I mean, no, because the, the next generation automation tool can't be pitched as an automation tool. It has to be pitched as a curated, like constantly updated repository right and that's primarily it now when you get into any if you're a scripting guy you're going to go bonkers we've got full-blown intellisense in our powershell editor we can run I, i'm not even gonna get into it right it is crazy crazy powerful which is what allows us to do all this stuff and you've got a plethora of scripts to reference like how did they do that offline domain join oh crap they could just invoke command straight off to a domain controller wow you know like that's the kind of stuff that it can do under the hood but the reality is it's going to pay for itself way before you ever even get to that point because of all the stuff that you thought you were going to have to write yourself, right? So while these guys are out here selling you boxes of Legos, I'm out here selling you a fully working car that you could add whatever features to that you want and I'm constantly updating. I mean, case in point, right? Like you can go all the way back to the original Kaseya, right? Pre all the VC stuff that happened, right? It was a shell that you had to feed, right? Like out of the box, it didn't do anything, so like, I know a lot of people that have years and years and years of, you want to call it tech debt, fine, just building scripts, 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 scripts. And then like, of course, to your point, one MSP to the next, I mean, it's like, you know, could be night and day, right? They just don't have the time investment. And then like down somewhere in that path, like they're like, oh, then like it only went like up to here. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? So yeah. That's the thing, you know, so let's let's try to focus on the stuff that matters for our customers. Let's not get stuck in the nuance of just trying to get the baseline working, you know, like let's focus on having these intentional conversations about security or moving them to the cloud or picking out a, a cloud native app that's going to revolutionize their business so their techs can enter time and, and invoice rem remotely, on, you know, on the road. Like those are the things that we need to be focused on, not, hey, did we remember to install antivirus on that last guy's computer? But yeah. yet somehow that's where we are in 2022. Well, I think this is definitely worthwhile. I mean, you may, you know, I would say if somebody wanted to trial it before you come out with your new pricing, I assume there's an option. Mm -hmm. um, but I would say you're, I mean, November 9th, so only a couple of weeks from now. So we'll find out whatever the new pricing structure is, but it sounds like you're definitely going to, you know, for, for, I'm just going to not take put words in your mouth, but it sounds like when we came on here, you're like, Hey, we kind of priced out the smaller guy. Hopefully you yep. go back and kind of help those guys on the, on the come up. Right. So, we are. yes. Um, so I'm, so I'm a lot more I'm granular. It's, it's agent count based. Right. So it's uh, you know, it'll scale with you and we're not dicks about it. Yeah. You know, we don't have VC backed anything. We're just a couple of guys. Just the headline that will live in infamy, I guess. Yeah. Well, <laughs> let, let's see how long they remain without VC. Huh? <laughs> Diamond hands, diamond hands. Wow. I, I, I don't have enough fingers and toes to tell you how many guys I've asked that question and they look me straight in the eye and says, we'll never do that. And 
now they're part of the K brand. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Could have been under NDA when they told you that too, but yeah, I hear you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I really appreciate everybody for coming today. Darren, I am. Awesome, right? Like I, I, I told Darren like two minutes before we came on, I was like, it's like a barroom conversation, right? Like whatever you talk to at, you know, at the bar, you're good to go. Man, he's he's pretty stocked with what he talks about at the bar. And he he knows his product inside and out. So really really appreciate you for jumping on. I think you, we're gonna be seeing you down in Orlando, right? That's so right. Definitely want to circle back and you know catch up more because sounds like you're doing some pretty cool things. Frankly, I might oh. want to jump in and start to Check play with it yourself. Uh, for everyone else, this session was recorded, so you can rewind this thing and like figure out what he actually said and maybe go back and ask some more questions because sounds like he's he's good at answering those. Otherwise, hope to see you guys, you know, Tuesdays, Thursdays, we're still doing these things for the end of the year, November, uh, you know, uh, one o'clock Eastern time, then November 9th, you know, again, if you're down in Orlando, IT Nation, all the other events happening that week, second week in November, November 9th, that's the day, that's the big party, and then Again, we'll be back in Florida uh, and Georgia uh, last week in November into December. Otherwise, mspinitiative.com. Thanks for joining everyone. Darren, catch up with you later. Have a nice day, guys. Bye.